Welcome back to Cinema Architects, where three future architects sit down to draft an awesome movie plot. Welcome to Cinema Architects, everybody. I'm Robbie. I'm Austin. I'm Nate. And we have a very special episode for you today. It's not our normal fare, our usual fare. Um, today, it's one of them fun listicles. Except it's not an article, it's a podcast. And we're counting down our favorite places in film. Oh, I enjoy that word. We're using that word. What word? Funnelistical. Funnelistical. Listical. Funnelistical? Oh, I see. You said that. You said the word. Yeah, Robbie, that was a word you just said. No, I said listicle. A fun listicle. There are children listening. Don't be talking about listicles here. (laughs) I'm just like everyone. I got two of them just like everyone else. (laughs) No shame in talking about it. Come on. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's quite simply that. Um, so, to my understanding, we each picked our five favorite buildings in film, and we'll briefly discuss what they all mean to each of us. Yes. How do we want to go about this? Do we want to go one per person, just keep going round robin? Or yeah, I think that makes sense. One person goes through all five, then another person, then another I person? I say we do round robin. Uh, round, round robin, robin. Yeah. sounds yeah. good to me. Uh, Nate, why don't we start with you? <clears throat> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 thank you. Uh, no, um... I don't know if I necessarily have any order for listing these, but uh, they are just five um, buildings in film that I found really interesting for various reasons, because architecturally speaking, they are significant. And to start it off, I thought, what better place to start than the firehouse from Ghostbusters. Ah, very good. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of a quintessential, it's kind of a classic, but it is a real building, and the way that they they kind of use it to represent Ghostbusters hub, I think is really clever. And, I mean, what would have otherwise been just a regular run-of-the-mill everyday firehouse kind of becomes something pretty special, to be honest with you. Well, it's so cool because it's set in New York where you, you you know, you expect these Mm -hmm. giant buildings, and it is surrounded by giant buildings, and yet there's... There's something still there that's old. Yes. And in the movie, it's dilapidated or whatever. Yeah. And they bring it back to its former glory. Yeah. And to my knowledge, I think they only used exterior shots of it. So everything you see of the interior with the fire poles and whatnot, I think that was all built on a set somewhere else. But, I mean, that exterior is kind of a perfect iconography that represents the Ghostbusters themselves as this kind of like scrappy, like, uh, like what the heck? These kind of misfit people. But they're, they're doing this cool thing of hunting ghosts. And the building right. itself is kind of, hate to use the word, but juxtaposed upon the we greater New York so City much. skyline. And we it's, use it a lot. I mean, you know, it's this little unassuming building. It's kind of colorful and quirky, but not ostentatious beyond belief, you know. Emphasis on Austin. Austin. Tageous. It's contagious <laughs> out here. Screw you, Almost said the F word, but I'm I am <laughs> I'm holding myself he's accountable. Not, he's not as ostentatious in this episode. Zing, zing. So Austin, would you like to take the next spot? Well, I was gonna kind of jump off of yours and add to it in the fact that it is from the same movie. And usually, many people go towards the firehouse as being the most significant building. But I think the most significant building is actually Spook Central. The Sedgwick Hotel? Which is 550 Central Park West. Is that the Sedgwick? It might be. So with the Slimer and the. 
No, 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 no. Not that. No, at the end, Spooked Central. Oh, the Gozer Tower. Gozer. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so I, I mean, it's it's Art Deco, which I really enjoy. <laughs> I really liked Art Deco. For those of you who don't know, Art Deco style was in the early 1900s. You kind of. Right 20s ish, the 20s, war, 30s, 20s and 30s. Yeah, a lot of times 30s because we're still in the era where people want decor on their buildings. They they want to have, add flair, but we the modernists hadn't taken over yet. Not yet. Right, not yet. But we were also running out of money, so we couldn't do the elaborate uh, statues anymore. No. So it was more geometric. Yeah, shapes. Kind of fun, abstract, geometric yeah. patterns. Exactly, yeah. which I thought were cooler than the actual things anyway. So <laughs> That's true. Sometimes not having money works. Uh, but yeah, so you have the Art Deco, and I just, I, I kind of like the idea of like what goes on at the top of these skyscrapers because you, that is fun. Yeah. You're walking on this street and you're just looking up at these buildings and like you can't see on top or whatever. Yeah. Like the only time that you see what's on top of these buildings is when they do aerial shots yeah. and like that's true the helicopter it's funny as a kid i mean you go visit cities and that's always my first thought of like you see the very top like i bet something really important is up there you know right yeah. where in reality usually it's like a mechanical room right. or just junk you know like nothing crazy i mean yeah maybe a few loaves floors below the very tippy top underneath all the mechanical stuff probably a nice penthouse, penthouse for somebody yeah. but Usually not the tippy top. Right. You know? Yeah. And I just love how that building is like, it is tiered at the top. So it's like, it looks like a temple. It's kind of pyramidal at the top, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. It looks like a temple, which they use it as a temple in the movie to, you know, gateway to hell, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, painting it lightly. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I guess I'm up next. Um, my first one is uh, something that I think... A lot of folks will, will see as, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's the uh, the house in North by Northwest um, at the oh, end of the movie. Yeah. I thought about doing that one, yeah. actually. That one is pretty, it's pretty significant. And it I, I really like it because it's so, um, like, that's where the climax of the film takes place until they, like, jump out onto Rush, Mount Rushmore or whatever. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it looks... Um, it, it just looks magnificent and it looks kind of, I haven't seen it in a bit, but I want to say Frank Lloyd Wright-ish. Um, it is. And yeah. the thing is, it's lots all fake. Lots of overhangs, lots of, yeah. that's the thing. It's 100% fake. It's, like all, yeah. all the exterior stuff you it's see. It's a matte unless, painting, isn't it? Yeah, it's a matte really? painting when they're yeah. like driving up to it and stuff. And, you know, you see Cary Grant climbing around it and stuff, but that's, you know, that's all sets and that's like a lot closer into it and everything. And all the interior shots and all of that, it's just that this magnificent um, rural palace looking yeah. thing and it's you know very rustic and it's all fake it's what's all the sets. thing because you, you watch that movie and you're like wait a minute like someone has a house that close to Rushmore because like they go from yeah. there to all of a sudden they're on top of Rushmore yeah. in like the next two scenes I'm like okay but yeah it's, it's totally fake I mean that makes sense now because it almost looks like you know a poster coming out of the 40s and 50s like, yeah you live here yeah you know? it's a very like, quintessential just... angle and, you know. and well and it's got the path leading down yeah. towards it and it's got that overhang yeah mm -hmm. yeah i agree 
and it's yeah you see Cary Grant climbing around the structure and everything and it's like you know e- even though it's this manufactured movie set and everything you can see they put the time into making it look like oh this is a very impressively uh, detailed building mm-hmm. it's got these handsome joints and everything mm-hmm. it's a like architecty way of talking about it but I mean it it's it's nice and it you know looks like it took a lot of effort despite the fact that it's all fake oh for sure so for sure um. Yeah, Nate, what's your next one for us? Uh, my next poll is kind of similar going off of uh, big buildings and kind of, you know, more hotel-y thing, kind of like what Austin was talking about. Uh, but I, I chose one. I thought, you know, what's a movie in which the location or the building is almost a character in itself? And I think that's nowhere better exemplified than Stanley Kubrick's The Shining at the Overlook Hotel. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, even though I think the it's again so, one of those situations where the exterior is a real place. I think the entire inside is completely is fake. fake. They they did a, the interiors were a different hotel. Yes, I believe which yes. has tourists go to that. But then I actually went to the the hotel that they shot oh, like the okay. exterior the exterior at. one. And I mean the inside is beautiful. Oh yeah, and but it, very different, beautiful. Or I should sorry, I shouldn't say. I, I scratched that. I didn't go to the hotel that they actually shot. I went to the hotel that it's based off of. Oh, that the one that Stephen, King like is like, I heard children. Like there's no children on that. Floor yeah. King. Yeah, yeah. That Stephen King wrote a book made on this it. story yeah. about. And that it, it was it was beautiful. But like you could tell that there was something, something there. Off. And yeah. Something is off. And cool. Yeah. yeah. Some of those old places are creepy. But Kubrick uses the Overlook Hotel very systematically in the way he frames these wide angle shots with mm-hmm. our lonely character. Mm-hmm. And it truly captures isolation for me. And it also kind of is a unique flair in the pattern and the designs and how it all kind of slowly swirls into the madness that becomes Jack Nicholson by the end of that movie. For some reason, it seems like he has something to do with, uh, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's a, it's a geometric term where you have a repeating shape that can be... fractal. No, it's something with a P. I can't remember. But anyway, it's it's kind of maze-like in a way. Like the carpeting, the texture on the carpeting almost looks like the hedge maze that they run through mm, at the end. Right. And it's funny how, how uh, Kubrick very purposefully um, shows the layout of the building. And sometimes things don't make sense where it's like Jack Nicholson walks upstairs and you think he's going to his room. And all of a sudden the next scene he's walking to the ballroom. And you're like, well, wait a minute. The ballroom isn't, isn't upstairs. The last scene he just... He went right from the kitchen to the ballroom, but now they're huh. saying it's up. You know, he subtly kind of draws you in with the whole, you know, don't trust what you're seeing aspect uh, of it. Yeah. So and I, all the hallways looking down, like oh you get those man, amazing one point. Who's been more scared shot? of yeah turning around the hallway and finding something you don't want to see? Like yeah, two creepy twins. Come <laughs> play with us, Daddy. Yeah. So that was my second pick as kind of. Something that's a character within the film itself. Right. Sure. Nice. Um, well, my second pick is actually Cloud City. Ooh. Uh, from Star Wars. Going the to Empire Cloud City, R2. That's a good back. one. I love it because it is also like the North by Northwest house. It is the crux of the film. It's where everything happens at the end. Like, literally yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. Like, All the major a, parts yeah, of Star Wars a, that we love right. think happen of, there. Think of major Star Wars elements like Han shooting father. at Vader, 
I am your father. Han and Carbonite. Han and Carbonite. Yeah, they <laughs> all happen at this cloud yeah. city. I never thought of it that way. It's a good point. Yeah, and it just all of these amazing things happen in one place, and I love it because I love retrofuturism. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love it so much, and I especially love it from the seventies and eighties because that's the time where we've already been to the moon. We've done it. Sure. So people sure. are like, oh, we can get there. But now they're looking towards the future and like, let's have space colonies. Yeah, we'll live let's on do the moon. all this. We'll and live yeah. in the future. You got a bunch of art commissioned by NASA for space tourism. Oh my gosh, yeah. By, well, like Don Davis and Rick Goodice. I don't know. Wow, you did your homework. I did friend. do my homework. And they have like amazing space colony art that they oh, have. Oh, sure, sure. And I mean, another reason why I love retrofuturism because I love Epcot so much. <laughs> you do. You really do. I yeah. love Epcot. Yep, he's a fan. And Big fan. And that is like to the T, yeah. 70s and 80s retrofuturism. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, it's showing you what they thought of back then, but it almost has its own style. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which I get the 70s and 80s is a terrible time for architecture. But the ones who did this futuristic architecture, yeah. it's super cool. Well, I, get, I get what you're saying, because like you watch a movie uh, like the original Alien from 1979, the version of that future versus mm -hmm. the version of the future that you might see in like Black Mirror on Netflix. Right. Mm -hmm. Very different future. Well, yes. and you even think of uh, a trip to the moon or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I was I forget what podcast I was listening to where they brought it up, but it's like. Um, you don't have any interfaces in that even like the guy gets to the moon by getting shot through a cannon right. to the moon. Right. That's right. Like, the moon's no, got an eyeball and right. everything. There's no like panel that he pushes buttons on it. They're nope. like, ah, interfaces. What's an interface? It's 1900. Yeah. Like, right. They just go and it's, that's that their vision true. of the future. It's yeah. so yeah. fascinating. Like steampunk came out of this and yes. everything. It just, yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, I just, I love the backdrops when they're sitting in these, I mean, you can tell it's very 70s what oh, the future yeah, is yeah. in these rooms. And then you get the backdrop of what's going on outside. And it's just these the beautiful amazing clouds. painted city structures. Well, thematically, I always found it really interesting because when I was younger and I watched it, for the first time having, you know, no preconceived notion, no like, you know, hours of looking at all this other science fiction to permeate my brain. It was kind of my introduction to the genre in a sense because I was really young. But I felt super uneasy because I was like, oh my God, like they're up really high and like it's on a stick. Like the whole city is just on a stick. Yeah. Like, you know, all I'm thinking is like, what if what if there's a really windy day and it snaps, like all those people just die and they never show you where it goes down below. Oh, you, you have think, no idea. Oh, I just assume that they're floating. I, I assume that that stick was just really long and really tall and it goes down really? to the center of something. <laughs> But I thought, like, that's perfect. Like, it's this precarious tower, and that's where all, like, the big, heavy decisions happen is in this precarious, like, kind of tension-filled right. location. I suppose if you think about it, though, the higher you go, the less gravity there is. So oh, maybe sure. they hit something where it wasn't gravity or something. Well, and as a kid, I was like, I thought, well, they can make those tall airplane towers with the lights. Like, surely someday <laughs> we can right. do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Okay. But that's yeah. a great pick. Yeah. Thanks. Um, all right. I'm next again. Um, I was going to pick something different, but I'm going to switch up my list a little bit since you brought up retrofuturism and you brought up something else. I, my next pick is the Nostromo from Alien. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Because much like Austin, I do love retrofuturism and I do love their vision of the future as they envisioned it in 1979 with Alien. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. 
because it's you know they, they do have they have these androids with like their gross white fluid innards and everything <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um they've got all those interfaces and it's what what's what's their fictional year they're set in like 21 2177 or something weird yeah and um you know so all of their stuff within that ship is just so like blocky and it's very kind of star trek like commodore 64 yes kind of baby yeah, they got, you know, these green, like, lights and everything happening, and... Well, and everything's so tangible, you know? Yes. Like, it's not just a screen. Yes. It's, there are real buttons. Yes. And there are real things that you have and to And very press. tactile noises on everything. Yeah. Like... Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, like, computers now is just... You know, and that's it for, like, a whole sentence. But have, yeah. every word is this heavy, like, staccato right. typewriter, you know? It's like, oh, my God. Have you guys seen the limited series on Netflix called Maniac? No. No. With... <laughs> I know it's you with know, it's with it's Jonah, Hill Jonah Hill and, and uh, Emma, Stone? Emma Stone. Oh, is it good? It is. I've heard it's interesting. I, I thought it was great. Oh. I it was similar great. style. And though, the thing right? is, it is it is retro futurism. Retro futurism. And okay. they and they set it in the future, but like it has all of these like, and it's just like real buttons that you press, but like the technology is so far advanced from where we have it right now, but it looks old and mm. it's using even the same colors yeah. like from Epcot and everything. It's really cool. Their whole, the whole vision behind that series is really cool. Mm. Oh, and, and uh, one more point. I, the, the reason I like it is kind of twofold. One, it's, it's the you know interfaces and the technology in the yeah. world they live in. The other part is, you know, it's a space horror film, and this is the film that does it the best. Yeah. Because they, they go through these winding, tight, dark passageways and everything. The steam is always blowing always right steam. in your face. Always steam. <laughs> OSHA would have a field day. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just a piece of junk, yeah. really. Yes. And, you know, it's certainly not like architectural and designed to be beautiful, like, you know, so many Well, and that's things. what I thought was interesting about your pick. I was like, it's a spaceship. It's technically not a building, but it's inhabited by those characters to the point where it's their home. Of course. They've been there for decades, you know, in hypersleep and whatnot. And like, you know, oh, another 50 years, blah, 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 blah. And they're all whining and moaning about it. And I mean, it's got beds. It's got like the whole thing. I mean, I guess so did like large cruise ships and whatnot. But I thought that was a very interesting poll. Yeah. For sure. Nice. And I know the exterior shots of it almost looks like a giant Gothic cathedral. Or church. Kind of, Because yeah. it's got the tall spires and all these large pointy things that kind of... It's a very strange looking thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. No, it's brilliant design. I think by Sid Mead, if I remember correctly from it the documentary. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Cool pick. What nice. you got? What do I got? Uh, let's see. My next one that I want to go with... Um, it's a little bit cheating because it's not necessarily a building. It's more urban design, as in like the whole area. Well, I mean, I did the Cloud City, which I mean, is yeah, but city, to me, like so. it, that's a that's a single structure, though. At the same I time, suppose, yeah. Um, but mine was just kind of the city from Metropolis, 1920s Metropolis, the movie, black and white, silent film. Oh wow! I'd imagine yeah. most people haven't seen it. I've only heard of it. And I, seen I shots mean, I've, of it. I've seen clips. Go look yeah. up a little bit of it. It's some of the most imaginative versions of a futuristic city you'll ever see. Some of which are prophetically ahead of their time, and some of which are imaginatively, you know, would never ever work, no matter how feasible it looks in the film. I just. It, 
what gets me about that film, it comes out in what, 1929? Uh, 27. 27, yeah. Yeah, like, and that that's just so ridiculous. Oh, me. I know. Like, that's so beyond what it's supposed to be at that time. Oh, I know. know. Yeah. Like, everything was just vaudeville at that yeah. time, and then you have this. <laughs> oh, I know. It's and, and part of it kind of stems from famous architect uh, Lee Corbusier, and his idea of the man living within the machine and we'll all have these... What is a building but a machine but a for machine living. for living. And we'll all have these, you know, speeding bullet cars that just take us from place to place, you know. And and in that building, or in that world, I guess, all the buildings, it truly is kind of that society that he envisioned. But with that comes the crux of, you know, humanity's loss of identity and how we're all becoming, you know, funneled into this this conglomerate workforce of, you know, that separates the great divide between the haves and the have nots, you know, the two guys drinking their, their scotch, looking down on the like thousands of workers marching on street level. But the designs themselves are superly beautiful and reminiscent of architecture, great architecture of the time. So it, it's, it's a weird pseudo uh, art deco future, I guess. Right. It's, yeah. it's not post retro future or retro future per se, but it, it's just a very unique look, and I highly recommend more people to look into it. It, it kind of reminds me of um, like Soviet retrofuturism, mm. um, just because it's kind of of the same era. That was kind of uh, what they were doing at the same time. Oh, sure. Where they had they they had lots of these shots uh, or these renderings of potential future, and it's like dark skies and these huge buildings that are just lit up in lights and everything. Yeah. With these big yellow spotlights oh my shooting gosh, at yeah. them, and. I love the aesthetic of that. Yeah, like and the World's Fair and the spotlights yes. are beaming around, and Which yeah, is interesting because it's all it's kind of brutalist. It is, a little yeah, bit, it's, it's kind of a precursor to it. Yeah, 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 and and that effect is felt through the characters in in the film of the workers are they're brutalized. They, you know, like I said, the loss of identity. They're just working cogs in this machine, and then you die. You know, and no one and no one really cares. It's hard to explain. It's kind of a weird plot, but yeah, it's interesting. Go watch it. Huh. Go good, find yeah. it. I think it's on Netflix, or it was on Netflix. Hey, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, it should, it should be public Prime. domain if it's not already. Yeah, at this point, good gracious. You'd think, but I see it in DVDs all the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. What do you got next, Austin? All right. Next, I am going to do the Japanese castle in Inception. Ooh. Oh, right at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. What a pull. Yeah. So I love Inception. <laughs> I love doesn't? the movie. Who doesn't? It's uh, a good movie. People like to shit on it, but it's a good it's a movie. I know. I don't know why I don't people know, yeah, shit on it. That got really popular I, in the last couple of years. I don't know why. Yeah. I honestly... There I wasn't would, a single naysayer in 2010 when that came out. No. Well, no. Say that. And now it's like they look back and it's like, Ooh, oh, wasn't oh, that good? And I'm like... Yeah, it was. You it probably was think you're smart because you liked Inception, huh? Yeah. Right, right, exactly. I know more artsier films than you. <laughs> yeah, like Metropolis, Nate. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> I just picked it because I knew no one else. No, would. I know. <laughs> if you're um, cool, you'd watch Paprika, which is what inspired uh, Inception. <laughs> oh my god, I do have both of those on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, dumb. <laughs> Come visit Robbie's a movie rental store today. Uh, Ten bucks a pop. <laughs> But yeah, I I love Japanese minimalism, uh, and it does it really well in there. But it, it it also like has so many elements in it that are dreamlike. Oh yeah, that it's just there. That whole ceiling when he's going into that room where it's just the table and the guy sitting at the end of it, mm -hmm. and literally the entire ceiling is just lamps. 
Yes. yes. And it just, it, it is minimalism because there's nothing on that floor. Yep. Yeah. There's nothing on that floor and there's just a table and there's just lights everywhere. And right. I love that. And not only that, it, it, it sets the tone for the movie really well. Oh, yeah. And like when you think of Inception, what do you think of? You think of the flooding room where the the water is coming in these w- high windows and that's mm-hmm. at that castle. Right. And it's amazing because you get that shot of him just looking up and you got that staircase going up and you got the grand staircase and the lamps go ahead, overhead and then you just exactly and you got the water coming in from the top and it's just it's a really cool scene. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, and I think it's it's kind of perfectly symbolized with the whole water because like it's it's weirdly it's weirdly minimal and weirdly elaborate at the same time mm-hmm. because there's like all these dividing screens have these just super intricate Japanese yep. traditional paintings on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's the reset button is this wave that comes and washes it all away. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole intricate, you know, tightly spaced cuz like it is minimal, but everything is very specifically placed. Like the lighting arrangements, where the table is, the size, the scale. Scale is done super well in that one. I yeah. mean, the size of the room Compared to the table, especially for the storytelling narrative that they're trying to go with, and the staircase, like yeah, everything about the design of that, you know, and it it it, it develop or it, I shouldn't say it develops it it delivers uh, an impact with all of that. Um, that's like really really good, but also makes sense because it's in the context of Inception because it's a dream world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's not just like excess for the sake of like these people are rich and powerful and everything. It's like no that room is huge because it's a dream and it's like, that's kind of the impact that they're kind of trying to go for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So right. it's very effective in that way. I think. Yeah, no, it, it, it solidifies exactly what the movie's about to give you. And like, cause there are some scenes where it's very clear, like that's an MC Escher stare. Like that would never right. work. Yeah. But in this opening, like you're like, Oh, okay. It's like a James Bond, you know, villain layer castle thing. Like, okay. Like it's a, a little elaborate, but you know, not obscene and not, you know, impossible to exactly. conceive in reality. And then once it washes away, you're like, of course, like, of course it's not real, you know? So yeah, I like it for that. Rad. Robbie's up. Yeah. Um, okay. So my next pick um, is what I was going to say, but then you brought up retrofuturism and I had to jump on it. Um, but uh, I have to say this or I will forget, regret it forever. Um, and that is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Ooh. I was Budapest going to Hotel. pick that. I was going to pick that a couple of times. But because it's incredible. And of course it's fake. It's yeah. incredibly fake. But it's 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 not so much that like, oh, it's beautiful and it's pink. And it has this nice little, uh, what do you call it? Um, the little ski lift thing that brings you up or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a fact that it's just used so effectively to tell a story as a building like mm. you've got the narration telling you, you know, and and he lived in the in the servants' quarters, um, you know, where Zero lives or whatever, and all these very specific things and how they um, manage the hotel, like mm-hmm. uh, especially like the boss guy. Man, I can't remember any of the characters in that movie right now, and that's disappointing. Um, but the boss guy in that film, and he, you know, played he, by Ray Fiennes. Yes, um, and. And then eventually they even, you know, a lot of the movie takes place outside of it. They move away from it. Yeah. Um, and sure the rest of the movie, out of jail. <laughs> yes. Which is fantastic. That's yeah. a great scene. Um, but it, the, the hotel itself sticks in my mind so much just because it's maybe partially because of how it's shot because Wes Anderson just like frames the whole thing in the, uh, in one shot mm-hmm. so many, so many times. 
Well, um, I love how it's a model too. Like yeah. it's not just a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, what I like about it is it does something that a lot of these other movies don't do and that it shows the building over time because in the, the beginning it's, it's post what it, what's happened that the narrator is about to tell you. And so the style of the Budapest hotel, very different in the beginning. Pinks aren't there. The frillies aren't there. Everything you can like tell all the adornment and, you know, high lavish stuff has been kind of peeled away in favor of more sleek, you know, what I'm sure that era was like the sixties ish thought was a better look than the narrator kind of saying like, yeah, I miss the old grandeur that the, the, the girl used to have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting to see it in that passage of time because I mean, that is the reality of these buildings, especially ones that are that old and that, you know, widespreadly used is that, you know, businesses come and go, people come and go, needs come and go and styles come and go. And it's really interesting to see a building adapt in that way. And yeah, I would say Wes Anderson yeah, Wes Anderson, Paul Wes Anderson is, hey, um, nope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wrong one. No, Wes Anderson is uh, nothing if not the master of detail. And so, yeah, it's really yes. interesting when you see the servants' quarters, it's not just the servants' quarters. You see the type of table, you see the glass you, that he's holding as he's drinking his scotch. You see, you know, uh, the calendar that's hanging up on the wall. You see the specific bed that sits in the specific corner with the specific nightstand and the specific lighting fixture. Like, Everything in there has been choreographed to a T. I mean, the man, I would hate, I would hate to be him in real life because I'm sure he has to be OCD at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Everything is so meticulous. But it's wonderful to see that kind of craft because it just doesn't happen often in movies, to my knowledge. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the crux of it. It's just all such a well-crafted package. Oh, whole, my gosh. The yeah. whole thing. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And it's, it's really fun because it's kind of quirky. There are some things I was like, is that a thing? Like they had elevators. It's for like one person, right? An yeah. elevator that one person can use at a time. I'm like, there's no way that's ever been a thing. But then I thought about it. I'm like, is it a thing? Like I don't know. But it's really fun to see someone present it because I've really never, I hadn't seen it. So, yeah. yeah. And the color palette. I mean, you could go the on color. for days. Yeah, you could go on for days. You could about go the on for days about the color palette, cinematography, and the the set design in that whole dang movie oh yeah no it's it's beautiful and that's a that's a good point because cinematography can really change the way you feel about a movie lighting and the way it's shot but i think the budapest the way it's designed would stand on its own regardless of who was directing the art design of it right but uh yeah nice sweet pick i almost picked it uh for my next one i had to give this one a, a little bit of props even though i'm sure no one else would and Realistically, I don't know if it's like a genre-changing thing, but I found it really interesting, and I think the man's other work that he's done uh, speaks volumes, and so I, I have to give it mention here, and that would be Ken Adams's design of... The Volcano Layer from James Bond, You Only Live Twice, 1966. Uh. Ken Adam plays with geometry in the most interesting ways when he does set design. I would have to say the volcano isn't his most interesting, but it is one of the most elaborate, and it's just beautiful to see it all come together. The set itself cost $1 million to make, which at the time was the budget for the first whole movie from the James Bond franchise. Holy cow. So that was the most expensive set ever built at the time, and they were terrified to light the thing because it's massive. And, I mean, it's... How quintessential is that? I mean, it's always in every comic book or every like kids show cartoon is the volcano layer. This movie actually does it. You see it all. And 
weirdly enough, there's sometimes you're like, you know, it makes a little bit of sense, oh, you know? Crazy. It's it's really cool. But if you want to see some of the more interesting Ken Adam design from the James Bond series, and I highly recommend looking it up because it was just it was brilliant. Everything he touched. Uh he did a few things in the movie Doctor No, which are brilliant. One of my favorites is the interrogation room with uh Professor Dent. It's it's just a chair. And this creepy uh, circular light and like a raised platform. It's it's very minimal, but like something about it just kind of sets the unease, and like you can tell the villain is involved in some way. Um, he designs Fort Knox in Goldfinger, a place that has never been seen by the public, and it's brilliantly designed in how you know everything has a little place and like everything's been thought out. Like there's elevator trams for gold carts and the way it's organized. Like you know. You think that it's the real Fort Knox sometimes. You almost forget it. Uh, and just all of the designs he's done akin to that are, are just beautiful in my mind. Another one that comes to mind would be uh, the Moonraker. Uh, Moonraker has a like control room, and it's this big angled... The, the, the ceiling almost comes to a point at the top. It's like they're in a giant pyramidal uh, prison. Prism. Not prison. Prism. And it's just it's wonderful. I, I absolutely love... Kind of the ostentatious, again, Austin is contagious, <laughs> design uh, that permeates throughout his work. It's it's something that's very of the era. It's very kind of 60s, but it's, to my mind, brilliant work. It's super cool. Yeah, it just, the scale of it is so Huge. large. And, I mean, it, it it's amazing because, you know, it, it, it is real. Yeah, and I think that's that. what, and I think that's what we're missing nowadays. Oh you could God, just put yeah. A green T- today that would anything. all be a computer. Yeah, you wouldn't see any anything exactly. like that. Exactly, and it's just it's kind of sad because our human eye, for right now, I guess I don't know. It'll probably until further enhancement. Yeah, until further. <laughs> our human eye can tell. Yeah, it can tell when something is fake and something is real, unless we're all living in a. Unless this is the Matrix, then, the we're, matrix then we're all then buggered. We're all fucked. Damn it. <laughs> Quit being so ostentatious. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, that's it's crazy. That is really cool. Yeah, that's one of my. It's one of my favorites. And like I said, if you haven't seen Ken Adams' work, go look at Ken Adams' work. It's marvelous. Mm. That's awesome. Well, my next pick is probably actually because of his work mm. actually okay i'm intrigued which is the island on the incredibles yes oh. yes yes a hundred times yes that's so like and you watch the documentaries they were going for a james yeah. bond feel yep yes and that and now and now it makes sense i love that you picked that because this is this is lit that is literally the precursor to my pick mm-hmm and I love i just love the whole thing because it's very modern oh my gosh yeah very modern yeah and just the the clean lines, no no decorations on mm-hmm. everything. You got some it's curves only what's in there. there. Only it's what's only necessary. what's there. Only what's necessary. And just like the technology that it takes to like when when he's going in that pod with her, and the freaking waterfall opens up, and they're like going on that coil. Oh up to his yeah, room. yeah. Right. Or my favorite, which is the lava wall. Which is oh like, my gosh, that room is so cool with just the ambient lighting of this slow lava fall slow in the lava, back. And then it opens up into the control room yep. and it's it's so cool. Yep. 
Well, it's just the whole, and it's it's so designed because then you have these robots that are they're balls. They're these right. They're giant balls. Oh, right. <laughs> they're these giant <laughs> balls. <laughs> but I mean, like, what a quirky, like, kind of retroy sixties. It's yep. very much in that vein. I totally yep. agree. Oh yeah, that's not that's not like a two thousand something no. uh, robots. Like they no. designed it to look like a sixties robot yeah. or something. Yeah, it's very cool that way. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that pick, and it's. It's interesting. One thing they both have in common is kind of how like these man-made uh, like mining car trams are running throughout these volcanoes yep. and these yep. mountains. And I love the way that you know man has interplayed what he wants to design within the natural you know chaotic rocky formation right. that, that exists. Right. I right. mean, uh, granted, you know, one was made in a computer, so you can do whatever you want, and the other one's a set, so you could do whatever you want. But like they still they still exhibit that idea of you know man you know. Raising a fist against nature and saying, yeah. I'm building this in a volcano and I don't give a shit. And everything uh, that's, I'm going to say it again, juxtaposition between the natural world and the bill world is super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we love places like that. And it, yeah. Yeah. Or if, if architecture is bringing you closer to nature, then both of our last picks are really close to getting into mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. So. Into the like burning heart of nature. <laughs> right. That's right. right. The the deadly heart of nature. That's right. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Um, well, believe it or not, mine is also in some way linked to uh, your last pick there, Austin. Oh um, my gosh. And I've been waiting for this one because I, it's a I think it's a good pick. I think it's really good, and uh, it's the Pineapple House from SpongeBob SquarePants. That, oh my God. that was something I was not expecting to I hear today. I know. I was not expecting that. I either, thought I was going to be the first one to delve into animation, and then you brought up the Incredibles. I, yeah. I thought about animation, but yeah, I, interesting. Yeah, and the That's great so funny because it's it's fantastic because like every single location in SpongeBob, it's like ever shifting and changing. Yeah, to yeah. Whatever the nothing episode is consistent. Needs. Yes, <laughs> I love that because yeah. you know there's there's more than one episode where SpongeBob has this like massive Beauty and the Beast looking ass library. <laughs> yes. Like it's huge. <laughs> That's right. It's That's probably right. at the top of. And it's like, how would you fit you that, that in? He's got a first floor and the second floor yeah. of his room, and then he's got a huge library in this pineapple house. Yes, and right. it's got like a slide going down to the bottom sometimes. Yeah. And it's just, and, and it's all like done in in such a like consistent style where it's like subnautical. They've got those like uh, yeah, submarine type port, of like portholes, yeah, portholes, portholes, and, port and like a the big freaking door, is the big foghorn or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the door has got the big bolt thing. Yeah, that turns yep. like and, a yeah. like a bank vault. You just and it yeah. unopens like that. Yeah, yeah. It is weirdly consistent throughout all of SpongeBob, isn't it? Yeah, especially, that much is. Especially because those elements are designed things that man has made so he can exist underwater. When these creatures should just be able to exist right. underwater. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. But it's really interesting how that yeah has become a design element. So what to you guys is SpongeBob's house official arrangement? Because to me, I always thought it was bedroom upstairs. Maybe a bathroom right across from it. Stairway that yeah. goes down. There's a kitchen, and then the kitchen leads off to the living, to room, the living room, and then yep. that's it. And that's yep, basically that's it. Basically yeah. The living room yeah. has the front entry door, and he kind of well, has that library. Sometimes. But he has a library, sometimes. and he, ha- he also he can go up there's a onto rooftop. the roof. There's a roof. That is right. Yep. There's a rooftop, yep. it's, and it's all covered by those pineapple the leaves. Pineapple leaves. <laughs> yep. He can just go up there. And, yep. he, and he has a closet sometimes where all of his trophies are at, and I'm not sure where that is located. Yep. Well, even when he's like. Because the, the title sequence like shows him bathing or whatever, yeah. and that bathroom is giant. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. 
Yeah, it's 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 ever shifting to whatever the writers need yeah. uh, to somewhat less of an extent than say like Patrick's Patrick's house, house is the true <laughs> witchcraft because that is whatever houses. the hell. Sometimes it is just a rock on top of flat sand and he's yep. squished there every night. Yep. Sometimes it's there's like just, a crevice underneath. Yeah, sometimes. it's just a hole underneath. Sometimes there are rooms with yeah. underneath. Yeah. There yeah. are rooms within it. Yeah. It, it's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yep. And. But the pineapple house is just what stands out the most to me. That yeah. is it's, truly brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's just the coolest thing in the series as far as architecture goes. And I don't know <laughs> if there was any correlation or any logic behind it, but I would have never come up if someone said the sponge character needs a house. Uh, it's a pineapple. Pineapple, yeah. Yeah. I would I have yeah. never gotten I, to that point. I wouldn't have either. So I, yeah, I have to commend what a brilliant decision and how iconic. I mean, everybody right. knows that now. Yeah. But interestingly enough, my next pick also has something to do with your last pick. Uh, yeah. In that my building, I don't know if it, well, part of it does change, but parts of it really don't change for specific reason. But my next pick is the Hogwarts castle from Harry mm, Potter. No kidding. Huh. Because how much of a character, when I say Hogwarts castle, you both already know specific rooms, yep. and you know them to a T. Mm -hmm. And they're iconic, the Great Hall with the tables, and it's this long thing. And you look up, and the, the gothic buttresses disappear into what looks like the sky, but it's actually a spell to make it look like the sky. You know, and, <laughs> and it's like, and, floating and the, the, the stairways that literally stairways, change. And yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people out there have played any of the old video games, but like exploring that is always such a blast to me whenever you're in the open world Harry Potter. And oh, sure, yeah. Go wherever in the castle but well that's why it's always fun to i'm sure jk rowling had fun writing it because you when you're writing something like this you always want to make wherever they're going giant yeah because then you oh, can yeah. explore different unused rooms that's or the brilliance that are, of it we get yeah. a seed over five years it's like oh and now we're going to the botanical garden which has yep. been here the whole time but we weren't there last time this yeah. place is huge yeah like, it's so brilliant. What's your guys' favorite room in the Harry Potter oh, castle? Gosh. That's, that's a oh, good my question. favorite room in the Harry Potter castle. I really love the dorm room that like Gryffindor is at. It's like oh, that circular turret, yeah. and it's just a bunch of bunk beds, and everyone lives in one room. And I just picture, like, yes. I would hate somebody by the end of the year, like, who's snoring? Right, or, who right. turned the damn light on? But, like, you know, no one ever complains like that in the Harry Potter universe. It's always right. Voldemort. My favorite is probably the girls' bathroom in uh, Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> with, the, with the sink that's like <laughs> yes. that, that round. Concrete yeah. structure thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really cool. I think I enjoy Dumbledore's quarters the most. Really? Got the Phoenix, that's a good point. Because he has like a little got, upstairs like does. nook. And well, he has, like, I love how you nook. get to it is just this eagle that you think is just a statue, but then it turns and then the stairs come. That's up a good yeah. point. His, yes. his way of entry is rather elaborate. Yeah. But it's brilliant. I absolutely I love that. Yeah. So I, I thought. You know, it kind of exemplifies that iconic nature. It exemplifies the fact that this could be a real exterior-wise building. I think it is actually a real castle somewhere. Uh, it, it depends on which uh, movie. Which movie and which they have, angle. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Sometimes they have like a big model set or something that they've yeah. built and they film it like that. Sometimes it is exterior shots of real castles. Yeah. I've been to one of the castles that they filmed Harry Potter at. Really? Um, that my family had claimed to at one point way, 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 way wow. back. Because I have English ancestors. That's pretty cool. Yeah, ask Jake Hendricks about that. <laughs> have to <laughs> and and we went to the place where specifically they filmed the uh the quidditch scene in the first film oh that's um, so where cool. he's like getting on the broom and figuring out for the how first time yes. yeah nice. that's brilliant i've been to that courtyard and they milk the shit out of it they have like quidditch things going on there all the oh, time oh yeah of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But I mean, talk about a character within itself. Hogwarts, the building yeah. Oh, yeah. is just so interactive and has all these little fun quirks and yep. could only be imagined by the brilliant J.K. Rowling and put to screen and just, I love how it's consistent and yet just magically inconsistent enough sometimes to be like, you know, it just always causes the wonder of like, now where is that located and how come we weren't there in the last movie, yep. you know? Right. Yep. It's, it's brilliant. I, I, yeah. So that's, that's, is that my last pick? That is your last pick. last pick. 50 points <laughs> to Nathan. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, well. And the house cup this year <laughs> goes to Nathan. <laughs> I believe a change in decorations is in order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you know? There's N portraits everywhere oh for Nathan. <laughs> Uh, well, my last pick is a little different from that, <laughs> and it is actually the Inn in White Christmas. Oh, very good, yeah. That warms my heart. Yeah, yeah and that's exactly why I picked it, because <laughs> it just, it screams at you Christmas, and it just, yeah. and, and it just is Christmas at this point, you know? Yeah. You've got, a, it's a ski lodge. That is very colonial. Mm-hmm. It's got the barn that... Oh, I love the venue for the stage. The, the stage it's venue just, is brilliant. Because yeah. otherwise, like, it's a very subtle... I mean, it's nice, but, like, there's nothing that really jumps out design-wise of, like, oh, that's so, like, unique and crazy. But once you get to that venue, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. all bets are off. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so cool. And I love that the bar, where the bar is placed on that venue, because then you also got that seating area where they they basically say that they need to get married you know and i love that that uh fireplace that they're around when they say they need to get married oh yeah yeah and it it just it's a very cool spot oh yeah and yep it just like it just reminds me every time i see that movie and i see that place like i just i it it does it warms my heart because it's it's so christmasy yeah holiday season yeah but i like that it's it's not like hogwarts in the fact that like it's elaborately like there's this magical this you know eccentric looking castle at the i mean in some ways it's a little unassuming but like once you get inside and you really get to see the architecture and the characters the what happens in it is just so wonderful and, and yeah no i and that and that is a point where it's very consistent. Like these rooms are. Oh there. yeah, no. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like, a real building. And they're, I think. and they're filmed in probably the exact same spots in that room too. Probably. Which is funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They revisit them enough that it's like you as the audience are like becoming really familiar with it, even on like the first watch through mm-hmm. or something. You're like ah, they're back in the lobby, and and over there is the bar and all that. Right. And, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd have to agree that venue. I don't know what it is about it because I mean I've seen more elaborate ones and I've seen bigger ones and I've seen more modern ones but there's something it's about it's just so homey something about it yeah it's just like the wood grain it the, is the really texture homey. the the fact homey. that it, it's next to a barn and whatnot stop <laughs> yo man it's real homey it's real homey and there's white Christmas <laughs> yeah anyway that's a great that's a great final pick great especially pick. right now as I look outside and see some it's flakes coming down no it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas it's just what we need boys all that snow up in Vermont Ooh. snow <laughs> snow 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 <laughs> Jorgen would kill us if we if we did that without him eh, well we did maybe he'll listen to this episode maybe he'll listen but now. probably not um okay <laughs> so my last my last pick we're on our last picks, right? Mm-hmm. Last one. Okay. Um, it is 
assumedly not homey, like at all. Yo, um, man, that's not homey. It's not homey it's, at it's, all. It's not homey at all, man. Um, it is the top secret research facility from The Shape of Water. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. Because it is horrid. It 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 looks it is. like it it's an uncomfortable space. It looks really cool and it is like presumably just awful. Like it's it's hard and it's cold yeah. and it's damp and it has these pipes running everywhere and these huge steel doors and there's that like tank that's you know the tank room that's like the iconic thing where she's spending all of her time with the fish person yeah and that's just always like it's it's got these lights coming in and so much of it is just like this kind of turquoisey green lighting yeah. for, like the whole movie and it's like it's it, very cold industrial concrete and steel feel everywhere yes. And yeah, very modern, yeah. yeah. And it's it's just this constant uh like marriage of these materials of just like the concrete comes up and then it meets the the steel pipes and mm -hmm. the pipes come by and they, they meet the, the edge of the uh the tank and the tank has the steel and then it goes into glass and there's glass here. Oh, and sure. there's that, that like glass thing that's overlooking things that they go into sometimes, that yeah. like glass office area. I mean it just screams at you, this is the Cold War. Yeah, yes. this yeah it really does. is the Cold War, everyone. Well it's like I, I, I can't remember how uncomfortable I felt when they're in like a public restroom and and not that there's like anything really weird necessarily happening. Like I think it's just Michael Shannon washing his nubby, oh, that, nubby hand. Oh, oh my yeah. God. yeah. But like, like the bathroom is clean and the finishes are fairly new looking. But like, it's, I just I'm just uncomfortable by everything about how it's set up and probably the lighting has a good portion to do with that and the color mm -hmm. selection. So yeah, so much of that movie is made better by the lighting yes. and the colors. Well, and I mean, I'm just uncomfortable during most of that movie in general. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, just, that's the the point. But. Yeah. And then, of course, it's juxtaposed, juxtaposed <laughs> by kind of the very eccentric, very kind of wonky apartment slash old house yeah. thing that that's the also, other that characters was live in. Very close, like second for me, yeah. just how like it's that like weird little apartment situation going on above a movie theater. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. I forgot about that. And they live above a movie theater, and they're so close to each other, and. And they flood the whole thing. Because there's a crevice somewhere where she can like sneak her head down and watch a movie from the movie theater. Am I, am I, or am I remembering something completely different? I might be. Uh, you might be remembering Home Alone too. I know it is in Home Alone too. <laughs> I do remember that. I can't remember. I, or maybe she can overhear Which is like, it. Great. I'm going to put that under my uh, honorable mentions honorable list. Mentions oh list. my lord. <laughs> if I did have an honorable mention, one I wish I could have mentioned or someone had mentioned, it would be the Luke Skywalker hovel. That little dome. Mm. Oh, the hovel. I love that little Which dome. Which is a real place. Yeah, it is actually. In Turkey. I thought it was in Tunisia. Oh, Tunisia, yeah. Oh. But yeah. Still there. Yes. All Good right. Good pick, Robs. Thank you. Yeah, great pick. Great picks by everybody. I'm amazed that nobody overlapped. Me too. Yeah, Especially since good. we did not mention what we were picking beforehand right. at all. Nice job, boys. Yeah. Great. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I know this was a bit of a departure from our normal fare, but uh, I know we had fun with it. And if you like it, um, be sure to let us know whether you're listening uh, when this episode is fresh or somewhere down the line. Um, you can uh, reach us at uh, Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinemarks. Not Carl Marks. That's Cinema RCHS. Um, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, and whatever uh, podcatcher you use to catch this pod. Um, and we get all of our music from Nike Schneid and you can find him at soundcloud.com slash Nike Schneid. Um, that's, uh, that's it. That's our top picks. 
and and you know what? That's the episode. That's how it went. That's it. You know what? That's it's over. That's go. how the podcast went. I was going to say, we could summarize, but just, just listen no, to just, it. Just go listen just go to it. If you want to hear it again, then go back it's to the right beginning. There. Press yeah. rewind. You know, go back. Back to the future, Marty. For Cinema Architects, I've been Robbie. I'm Austin. And I'm ostentatiously Nate. See you next time. Bye.